0: We're going to be looking again uh, at Daniel, and we're going to begin by reading the end of Daniel chapter 1 as an introduction. But for the most part, that's going to introduce what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to read Daniel chapter 1 and verses 17 through the end of the chapter, And then we're going to use that as a launching pad for what comes next. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1, we'll read verses 17 through the end of the chapter. As for these four youths, we've talked about these four youths quite a bit, Daniel and his three friends. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, He found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much again for this wonderful book. And for these few brief passages that we're going to be looking at today. We thank you that you have caused them to be recorded that you have inspired the very words of your book and that, as such, we can trust them and we can build our lives on the truths that they contain. Help us to absorb these truths into our minds and our hearts this morning that they would cause us to reflect on who you are, who we are, our relationship with you, and how to move forward in the day to come. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel and his friends were found to be ten times better than all the others when tested by Nebuchadnezzar for their intellect. So as youths of, of about 15 years old or so, they were brought to Babylon. They were put in King's College Babylon, trained for three years to get their master's degrees in Babylonian literature and culture, and uh, were brought before Nebuchadnezzar for their final test to see how smart they really were. Nebuchadnezzar uh, tested them and found them to be 10 times better than everyone else. Interesting. I want to keep, uh, I've mentioned a few times, I want us to keep that in the backs of our minds because that's going to be a very, very important launching pad for what we're going to talk about and the question that I want to ask is this but even though they were 10 times better but is there something more than human intellectual power so they were found out that they were very smart because they were very smart God gave them these gifts to be very very smart they were placed in a position of authority of some kind. And then Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Well, he goes to sleep, has this dream, wakes up and knows that this dream is more than just maybe the bad fruit that he had eaten the night before. There's something to this dream that is unusual and he recognizes it. We see in chapters 2 through 4 that there are three colossal things that are mentioned. We won't look at them all, we'll get there eventually. But just as a backdrop, there's three colossal things mentioned in the next three chapters. There's a colossal image in the dream we're going to talk about, there's a colossal statue erected by Nebuchadnezzar after he has this dream and gets its interpretation. And there's a colossal tree later on. They are, of course, connected. So Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and it makes him uncomfortable. He's really uncomfortable. Being a powerful man, um, it's bothering him. It's bothering him for a reason, because God wants it to bother him. And so Nebuchadnezzar does what any person in his um, position, I think, would do. He calls in the think tank. You've all heard this phrase, the think tank. Every government has one. Uh, People that they think are pretty smart, um, and and there's a difficult situation that arises, and so the government leaders call in the think tank, the smart people. He calls them in, and he says to them, I've had this dream. I want you to interpret the dream for me. Yep, absolutely, your majesty. That's what you pay us for. We are paid to interpret your dreams. We're really smart. That's great. Okay. first, you tell me what the dream was, and then you give me its interpretation. I can instantly see beads of sweat beginning to form on the think tanks heads. Remember what they said about Nebuchadnezzar? Whom he wanted to, he kept alive, and whom he wanted to, he killed. He had ultimate authority in Babylon. And so he tells these folks, good, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're willing to serve. Tell me what the dream is. Well, your, your majesty, nobody can tell you what the dream is. We don't have that kind of access. Uh, I pay you to have that kind of access. I think Nebuchadnezzar was wise here. I really do. Because if he would have told them the dream, they could have come up with any number of scenarios. You know, this dream means this one thing, or this dream means this other thing, and uh, their necks would have been spared. And they could, have used, they could have used their intellect to come up with interpretations of this dream. Every government has these think tanks and they use their intellects to, to try and guess what's going to be happening in the next 20 or 30 or 40 years in the government or in the country or in the world so that we can uh, stay ahead of the curve, and, and keep our people safe, and keep them wealthy. Um, let's try and, you know, using the smartest people we have, let's, let's try and look ahead into the future a little bit and guess where the trends are going so that we can stay ahead of the curve. Had Nebuchadnezzar told them the dream, they could have done this as well. Every government has them. The United States government has them. The Canadian government has them people that watch the trends, really smart people that watch the trends and are able to come up with a game plan to stay ahead of the curve. And these guys now are out of their element. Wait a minute, you want us to tell us, you you want us to tell you your dream? Nobody can do that. Nobody has access to this information but God. I've said in the past that people have rejected the historicity of the book of Daniel because it has predictive prophecy in it. Written about 600 years before Christ, it describes nations that were going to come into existence and go out of existence to such a degree of accuracy um, that um, people, think tanks, that are really smart, look at the book and say, there's no way this book could have been written 600 years before Christ. It's too accurate. I find this ironic because these think tank people are responding in the exact same way as Nebuchadnezzar's magicians and astrologers. No one has access to that kind of information. No one has access, O king, to that kind of information. Please don't cut my head off. So Daniel was as aware of this problem as anyone. The the great problem, the great question is this. Is there such a thing as revelation? What I mean by revelation, does God reveal his mind to man? Is there such a thing as a revelation? These people standing before Nebuchadnezzar were trained to guess what was going to happen. The really high ups, the think tanks in our society today, they're generally not in the government. And I'm not just saying that because I I think that people in the government aren't all that smart. Generally, the highest intellectual levels are found in the universities and they will say this about revelation. Revelation is absurd because now you are talking about hidden information that we cannot access. So once Nebuchadnezzar hears that his smartest people cannot meet his request. He loses his temper, as is his right as the king. And he doesn't just say, okay, away with you guys. Nebuchadnezzar, being the poet that he was, says, okay, I'm going to tear you limb from limb, destroy your houses, and burn your family. Okay, well, that puts the pressure on. That's going to help them think more clearly, isn't it? So Nebuchadnezzar says, I've been paying you guys to be smart. I've been paying you guys to give me the information I need to move ahead, and you can't, so why am I keeping you around? It's time to be done with you. Here's where we can learn. Here's where the rubber meets the road for us, folks. What does it cause the four and only four believers that have access to Nebuchadnezzar, what does it force them to do? When we read in chapter 2, you'll go home and you'll read chapter 2, and we'll look at it a little bit more. As a matter of fact, we'll read, uh, you can put your finger in Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. What does it force them to do? They knew that even though they were ten times smarter than all of the other smart people, they couldn't meet Nebuchadnezzar's request. What were they forced to do? They had the first ever university students prayer meeting. They prayed, it's a beautiful picture. These four teenagers, they're probably about 18 now, at the very oldest, maybe 19. But around 18 years old, they heard that they were to be killed because um, their colleagues couldn't answer the king. They got on their knees. And asked God to help them overcome a superpower. Four of them got on their knees and asked God to help them overcome the superpower of the day. Let's read Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Desperate times, call for desperate measures. I was thinking when I came in this morning, it's sure empty. People go on holidays, and they travel, and they have better things to do. So I'm going to stomp on, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm going to stomp on the toes of the people that aren't here. I have big feet. And it occurred to me how full it would be Had there been complete economic collapse of Canada and the United States this week, people would be seeking the face of God. Why? Because there's nothing this world has to offer that's going to fix their problems now. So um, I think sometimes our wealth causes empty seats. Isn't that a tragic view? I I think God sees it too. I think, and if I'm trying to guess at the mind of God, he says, I could fill the churches and get the gospel to more people if they weren't so terribly comfortable. Isn't that what he's doing in Daniel? Too comfortable, you guys. It's been too good for too long. It's got to get rough and it got rough, and it drove these four teenage boys to their knees. They had no other recourse. Their options were pray or die or both. Pray or die or both. That's it. Those were their options. Do you know that every person in this room knows far more about God than these four boys? I saw some eyebrows crinkle up. Yes, I used a very close... Careful with my wording. I'll I'll read the sentence again. Do you know that every person in this room knows far more about God than these four boys? We have God's completed revelation of the Old Testament. We have God's completed revelation of the New Testament. We have the teachings of Jesus, Paul, John, Peter, and others at our fingertips. God has given us in Christ all things pertaining to life and godliness. What a a blessing that we have. We know more about God than these four men. But I also dare say it's not knowing about God that gives us the confidence to meet colossal challenges head on. It's not knowing about God that gives us this confidence. It's knowing God himself. Do you see the difference? Your intellect can give you massive access into knowing about God. There's divinity schools where the professors are atheists, but they know more about God than most of us do. But they don't know God. And so, the mystery mystery was revealed to Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. Then the mystery in other words, the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and its interpretation, was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. Here's the question. Did Daniel find out Nebuchadnezzar's dream because he was so smart? Yes or no? Had nothing to do with how smart he was. Nothing at all. His intelligence got him an ear with the king. God's plan. God gave him the intelligence to put him in a position that God wanted him. And after that, the intelligence wasn't enough. Now, I could say this not just about intelligence. I could say this about any gift that you have. Maybe you have a gift of serving. And because you have the gift of serving, God has placed you in a position where he can use you, and now it's no longer your gift of serving that's going to meet the needs. It's God's work. You could have the gift of Being a a diligent and hard worker. And that might give God the opportunity to place you in a position where he needs you. But it's not going to be that that's going to make the difference in the lives of your workmates. It's going to be the Spirit of God. So I don't care what the gift is. In this case, it just happens to be intelligence. I don't care what the gift is. It's not enough. There is something beyond our intelligence, our understanding, our gifting, regardless of what it is, that is going to be the only thing that is going to glorify God in the position. Do you see it in Daniel? God could have revealed this vision to anyone. They could have been the lowest of the low. They could have been the gutter rat. It made no difference. At this point, God had to take over. Nobody had access to Nebuchadnezzar's dream except Nebuchadnezzar and God. That's it. I want us to, as a little bit of an aside, to observe, and by God's grace may we emulate Daniel's attitude toward the other wise men. What did Daniel plea to the king? Now that I've given you your, I'm going to give you your answer. Now that you've got what you asked for, don't kill the other wise men. Don't kill them. They couldn't have known. There's no way they could have known. And I think that as Christians, we need to have a humble, gracious, and kind attitude to those that are without And I just see that as an aside. Here's Daniel, given this great revelation of God, and his first concern was for the unbelievers around him. Don't take their lives, okay? I'll answer you. Imagine Daniel entering. So he, he knows that he knows. He knows that he knows the answer to Nebuchadnezzar. He walks down the... Remember I showed you the picture... The huge, wide pathway, the beautiful um, street that led to the king's palace. This eighteen-year-old young fellow heads down. He's uh, heads into the throne room of Nebuchadnezzar, and the great king speaks. Daniel chapter two, verses twenty-six. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, "Are you able?" to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Okay, Daniel, you're here. Are you able to make known to me the dream and its interpretation? Daniel answers in 27 through 28, and he basically answers no, but that's not the end of the answer. Let's read Daniel chapter 2, 27 through 28. Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that he has asked. Now listen to the next seven words. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. Folks, Western society is in a state of extreme turmoil right now. Looking desperately for answers in all the wrong places. Usually starting with the tops of the universities and they're looking to human intellect, human smarts, human insight to find out how on earth are we going to get answers to these questions. Because more and more people are realizing that if something doesn't happen and happens soon, there's going to be some kind of societal collapse. There has to be. It cannot continue like it has continued. And so, um, the answers come in. We have, to, uh, we have to make sure that we take all the money from rich people and give it to the poor people and make sure everybody has all the same amount of money. Because to our human intellect, that makes perfect sense. We should do that. Then everybody would have enough. And on and on the folly goes. We need to pray for the most powerful man on the planet. That, that man needs wisdom. And not of the human kind. I'm not saying it to to bash. I'm saying it because it's a fact of what's happening in society. Folks, I am encouraged by the first seven words in verse 20. But there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. And he reveals. I am so encouraged by that. And to whom does he reveal? To those who are his. To those that have his spirit and go to his word. Folks, that's most—that's uh, at least some of us. There is a God in heaven who has revealed his mind to us in his word. What are you going to do with that information? I don't care how smart you are, and I don't care what your gifts are, If it is in the absence of the revelation of the one who has all of the answers, your intellect, your gifts, whatever it may be, is going to be futile. So Daniel goes on. Um, Verse 29. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have. There's the answer I've just been talking about. Not because of any of the wisdom I have, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. And Daniel goes on to describe what Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream. And he goes on to say, You, O king, are the head of gold. Good start. I think that's the right thing to say to him who has the power of your life in his hands. You, O king, are the head of gold. And you can just see Nebuchadnezzar going, Yes, I am. I am the big man. Uh, It doesn't get any better after that. Because then Daniel has to say, but after you, and I can see Nebuchadnezzar going, "Uh uh-uh, there is no after me. This is it. No. After you, Nebuchadnezzar. After you. And he goes on to describe this statue with the head of gold and the chest and um, arms of silver and we have uh, thighs of bronze. And we have uh, feet of clay and iron mixed. As the metals increase in strength, they decrease in value. I want you to chew on that one for a while this week. As the metals increase in strength, they decrease in value. So I want us, as I'm tying up here, I want us to notice several things. God And God alone is the source of imperial power. Nebuchadnezzar, it says, was given his power. And as much as we might not like it, God is the source of the power given to Donald Trump and Justin Trudeau and others. God is the source of imperial power. He has a plan. And he is moving these men, let's call them God's pawns, into the exact position he wants them to be. That's the first thing I want us to notice. God is the one and only source of imperial power. Number two, the duration of power is limited. There comes an end. There comes an end. As he's describing the dream, he says, first, there's this. And after that, there's this. And after that, there's this. And after that, there's this. So the second thing I want us to notice is that the duration of power is limited. And finally, in here, I'm going to step on some toes. Number three, the final thing I want us to notice is this. Political systems are not of absolute value. Political systems are not of absolute value. We here in Canada, the United States, we would say a democracy is God's plan for the best government to have because we live in a democracy and and we have certain freedoms that other parts of the world don't have. But let me tell you something. Political systems are not of absolute value because something completely separate from the political systems of the world enters the dream at the end. It is not that these political systems are sitting on a giant stone plinth to give it security, it is not that at all. Something comes that is completely separate from the statue a giant stone it says cut without hands N- has nothing to do with mankind completely separate from the metals the stone is not part of the image at the end of the dream it is not tagged on to whatever preceded it as just another system put in place it is utterly other than. It is utterly new and separate from the political systems. So political systems are not of absolute value. So let me end with this thought. I'm going to read two uh, two short passages for you. Acts chapter 4, verse 11. A sermon preached by the Apostle Peter. Acts chapter 4, verse 11. We find out who the stone is, finally. At the end of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, a stone cut without hands strikes the feet of the statue and grinds it to dust. It doesn't just knock it over a little. It hits it and grinds it to powder blown away in the wind. And we find out whose kingdom this is that is utterly other. You guys know the answer, but let's read it anyway, because I think it's encouraging. Acts chapter 4 and verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Even more clearly, Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll end with this. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Therefore, let us That's you and me. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Folks, aren't you thankful that this system that is crumbling and weak in the feet isn't Our ultimate end. That we can receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Not like the statue at all, but the stone. And the stone is stable. Let's pray.